In today's show, we're talking Washington Wizards with the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, Ed Oliver. Michael Bolton, he's here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Let's talk Wizards, a team that's confusing. Like, let's be honest, they there's a lot of decisions that need to be made with this rotation and they've got a new coach to boot. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? We'll try and figure that out with the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, Ed Oliver, let's bring him in now. All right, let's bring him in now. Host of the Locked On Wizards podcast, Ed Oliver, is here with me. Ed, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk uh, Washington Wizards, which is a team that is, I think, almost one of the most confusing teams in trying to work out what they're doing with their rotation, with the amount of rotation caliber players they've got on this squad after the trades they made during the offseason. So I'm going to give you that difficult task early on here of telling me what you think the opening night starting five is uh, is going to be. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. We got a lot of forwards. We kind of got a log jam there. Um, getting the guys from the Lakers. I got uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, starting at the point guard position. Uh, of course, Bradley Bill at the shooting guard position. Uh, Kyle Kuzma at the three. And uh, Rui Hachimura at the four. And Daniel Gafford being that defensive anchor at the five position. And, um, you know, we, we got some good bench pieces. Um, we definitely improved in the wing spot. Uh, we got a lot of guys that are, are six, eight, six, nine, and we did draft Kispert too. So we got a lot of competition for that small forward. We got Bertans as well. So we got a lot of competition for that three spot in the four spot. I think spots, uh, the point guard spot is pretty easy. The shooting guard spot is pretty easy. And the five man is pretty easy. I think that three spot is where it gets a little uh, competitive and, and a little decisive there. Yeah, I agree. The one and the two, we're done with those. I think Rui's uh, pretty much a lock to start at the four. I think Daniel Gafford will be the starter. I think things get a little bit hairier later on when Thomas Bryant returns, and we'll try and work out exactly what they're going to do with that later on. The three is interesting. I would have, if I was coaching, I would be putting Contavious Caldwell-Pope out there and getting at least somebody who can guard on the wing. Now, Kuzma's all right at it, but KCP is good at it in terms of being able to guard guards and up to small forward as well. Kuzma could play that position, but you're right. Denny Avdia started last season there. You've got Davis Bertans and Hachimura who have started together at times as well. There are a lot of different options that they can go with, and that's why when people are looking at this Wizards team from a fantasy point of view, they look at things like, oh, yeah, Hachimura is going to have this big season. There's no Westbrook, so he gets usage, and Kuzma is going to have a breakout. But There's just too many guys in that 3-4-5 position. There are so many different options that they can run out there. Um, that it is going to make it pretty tight for Wes Unsell Jr. in his first season to try and figure out the best way to to run this rotation. In terms of a bench group, Ed, again, this is just as just as difficult. So, yeah, which which sort of direction uh, do you think that we're we're going? I'm on the wrong screen here. Nothing's coming up on my screen. I've just got to fix up my uh, my issue here with this screen. Just uh, just give me one second, everybody. All right, we're back. Technical difficulties aside, let's have a look at a bench unit that they could be uh, could be running out there, Ed. 
Yeah, so this one gets even harder to me, in my opinion, from that starting unit. Like you, you brought up Thomas Bryant. When he comes back, it's going to make it even harder for West Huntsville to make decisions at that five spot. Um, I love Daniel Gafford. So it's going to be competitive between um, Gafford and Thomas Bryant, Montrose Harrell. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year in 2020. So I just think he he's better with that role coming in, coming off of the bench. And he's six seven. He's undersized. So I think he's just better um, overmatching guys who come off the bench he's he's usually the most talented guy playing when the starters sit down in that second unit so i think it's perfect for mantras here we're just bringing that energy off the bench uh ron netto was a tough one for me i this between him and aaron holiday we did just trade for aaron holiday and they're both kind of scrappy um six feet tall guards that kind of just are annoying little gnats they they just get up in your face and they annoy you defensively um, they both can shoot the three well. They both can uh, create a little bit for others. They're kind of combo guards. They're kind of undersized combo guards, but they both bring uh, shooting to the table and scrapping. They, they can pick up defensively full court, Aaron Holiday. So I'm excited to see what he can do coming off the bench. You know, anything that brings defense to the Wizards, I'll take it. Uh, but I, I, I decided to have Raul Neto be that first point guard to come off the bench because he just played so well for us last year. Uh, moving on to Kentavious Caldwell Pope, like you said – I could see him starting at the three, but I like him better at that two spot. Coming off the bench and just having somebody to come off the bench for Bradley Bill. I don't think we've ever had a solid guy come off the bench for Bradley Bill. And I think KCP would be great coming off the bench, providing uh, defense and shooting. Uh, shot with almost, I think he shot 40% from the three last year for the Lakers. So he's a great three and D option. Denny uh, at the three spot, Davies at the four, being that lights out shooter for us. Denny, I think Denny is better suited coming off the bench. So he can be that primary ball handler, like you said earlier. You know, guys just didn't, get, didn't it, guys didn't get to handle the basketball last year because you know Russell Westbrook was he's a ball dominant point guard. Bradley Bill was a ball dominant shooting guard last year. So I think with this unit, Raul Neto's not a guy that needs the ball in his hands. He can shoot the three. KCP can shoot the three. Davies can shoot the three. And Montrezl Harrell, you know, he, you could do pick and roll with Denny and Montrezl Harrell. Denny is a point forward. So he needs the ball in his hands, and I think this would be a great bench unit where he can just facilitate and create. He can get, they can let him get the rebound, and he can push up, push it up the floor. So I think this is a really good bench unit for the Washington Wizards. Yeah, you're right. Look, last year uh, Avdia was misused by Scott Brooks. He was like, you go stand in the corner and shoot threes, and that's literally the worst part mm-hmm. of his game. So putting the ball in his hands is really beneficial to getting the most out of him and helping the team. And you're right, you know, Hal Neto is not this guy that's going to just dominate the ball and yeah, run an offense the whole time. You can have Avdia doing that at times, and it's not like you want KCP or Davis Bertans dribbling too much either. So yeah, you'll have Avdia and Neto. And I agree with that. That 10-man group that you've got, I think that is it's pretty clear. It's just trying to figure out where, where the minutes go, because KCP KCP is going to have to play some at the three. Otherwise, he's playing 12 minutes a night. And he's not going to play 12 minutes a night. So he's going to have to push up into those units because Yampil is going to play his 36 a night. So he's going to have to push up. And that's going to you know, squeeze the Avdia, Bertans, Hachimura, Kuzma, Kuzma, all those minutes. You know, squeezing those in is pretty tough. And I detailed that on my earlier show as to how that might be a difficult thing to, to work out. Let's look at injuries because there are a few injuries we need to talk about with this team. Two guys coming back from ACL. Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, all indications on that, Ed, is he's ready to go after his partial ACL tear and he'll be ready opening night. Yeah, so Thomas Bryant is not going to be ready opening night. They There was an interview that came up with his agent actually two weeks ago, I want to say, or a week and a half ago, um, saying that he would come back in December or early January. So the injury happened in January 7th to be, if I'm not mistaken, against the Miami Heat. So, you know, ACLs, 
Uh, we know that recently guys have been recovering from ACL injuries earlier. And, you know, you see it in football and now basketball too. Guys are just coming back from it so quickly where, you know, probably a decade ago or a couple of years ago, it would take a long time for guys to recover. But um, he, he should be back in late December, early January. Spencer Dinwiddie has been practicing. He's been having five on five. You see the open runs with um, Drew Hanlon, the trainer. Him and him and Bradley Bill have been doing open runs five on five. So he's been doing full contact stuff. So that's good to see from Spencer Dinwiddie. Denny with that nasty ankle injury it was a pretty gruesome injury. Uh, he should be available. I really wanted him to play summer league, but he wasn't available to to play summer league this summer. Uh, so he he will be ready game one. Davies Bertans did play in um, it wasn't the Olympics, but it was some trials or something. I can't remember what kind of um, league it was, but he's been playing in that this summer. He didn't shoot the ball well uh, in the league, but uh, for Latvia, the Latvian laser, he didn't shoot the ball well for the Latvia um, Olympic. I think I don't know. I can't remember if it's Olympic qualifiers or not. But long story short, he is available. He'll be ready game one. Thomas Bryant is that kind of X factor that piece where you really got to see where he's going to fit when he comes back because having three centers, I don't know if we're going to have that three center rotation like we did last year with Alex Lynn and Robin Lopez and Daniel Gafford. I I, I just see one of those guys being traded uh, before the trade deadline. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second because that, that's a really pressing mm. question with this team because that three center rotation, I had lots of thoughts on that last season. But before we get into that, if you suffer or anyone you know suffers from excessive sweating, hyperhidrosis, I've got just the product for you. It is Sweatblock. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. It's been around for over 10 years. You may have seen it on the Rachel Ray Show. It's actually the number one product on Amazon at the moment. People just really getting in to the uh, the Sweatblock product. What you do, you get the wipes. You wipe them on at nighttime before you go to bed. Wake up the next morning, have a shower, head off to work, to school, to whatever you're doing, and you're protected for up to seven days. That's just amazing protection, stronger than most clinical antiperspirants out there. You can buy it at Amazon. You can buy it at CVS, but why wouldn't you save 20% by going to sweatblock.com and using our promo code locked on? So save that 20%. Go to sweatblock.com and use that promo code locked on. You might be watching sports, you might be watching your favorite show, and you've got all these different devices and logins and whatever it is, and your highlights on your phone and your neighbors log in for something else. It's just a mess. Everything is so all over the place. It's can be a hassle. Well, I want to tell you about a great way to get all of the entertainment you love without that hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your, t- your live TV and your on-demand shows all together in the one spot for the first time. Whether it's live sports, movies, or TV shows, just watch them all in that one place with that great convenience. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, Ed, let's get into the next question that we've got here. Um... So when healthy, yeah, we talked about that, Thomas Bryant coming back in January, when he's back at full strength, which center is going to miss out? Because again, the three center thing was frustrating last season. Scott Brooks was yeah, acting like there was some higher power making him play three centers. I really hate it. I really hate playing three centers, yet continues to do it every night. Um, these guys are better than the three centers, I think, that they were running with last season. But you're yeah, running with that three center rotation is, is really, really hard to do. So barring a trade, which I do think a trade is probably going to be likely somewhere, who do you think is the guy that misses out here? I think it's going. I I I'm a Daniel Gafford stand. I'm a huge yeah, Daniel Gafford fan because he actually plays defense. Once again, we were one of the worst. We were the actually the worst defensive team in the NBA before Daniel Gafford arrived in that trade deadline. It was basically the, the steal of the trade deadline. 
Uh, we were 17 and six after that mark of getting him. Our defensive rating went from, um, I want to say, we were ranked 10th defensively. Um, points per game, we were dead last, but when he came, we just improved a lot. And he was actually a shot blocker. He had multiple games with at least two or three blocks, had a couple double doubles, was a great lob threat with Russell Westbrook as well. And I think it can continue with Spencer Dinwiddie. But to make a long story short with that one, Daniel Gaffer has to start. He has to stay. Uh, Thomas Bryant, Tommy Shepard loves Thomas Bryant. He's one of the guys that he traded for uh, with the Lakers a couple years ago, and he has played really, really well. He, he can shoot the three. He shot 40% from the three-point line before he got injured. He had a great game against the Nets with a double-double. He's been a great developmental guy. And uh, I think he's a, I think he can average close to a double-double if he plays 30 minutes a night. I don't see that happening with the roster right now with, with three bigs. So, like I said, one of them has to go. I think the odd man out would be Montrez Harrell, even though he's the most proven out of the three. He's been he's had he has the most consistent body of work, and they all bring something different to the table. Montrez just brings that a hundred percent energy, effort, that relentlessness, the post scoring where he can face up and score. Uh, Gafford is nobody defends as, as much as Gafford. No, Montrez Harrell is a defensive liability, so he's nowhere near on the level of Daniel Gafford. Thomas Bryant can't really defend either in the post. Um, so Daniel Gafford is miles ahead of those guys. So I think Wes Unsell Jr. being a defensive-minded coach, I think he would pick Daniel Gafford out of the three. And then secondly, I, I think it would be Thomas Bryant. I think Montrose Harrell would be a trade piece at the trade deadline because Bradley Bill, they have to make a decision. He has to make a decision. Bradley Bill has to make a decision. And the Wizards have to make a decision, honestly, before the trade deadline and see where they're at. If they're five games under five hundred then we might be selling everybody at the trade line, deadline. If we're actually five games above uh, 500 or three games above 500, and there's some guy who doesn't want to be on a team, say, in the Western Conference, and he wants out, demands a trade, and we can you know, package Harrell in a first-round pick or something like that and bring in a, a third piece to help out Bradley Bill, I think something like that would be on the table, and I think Harold would be one of the guys that would be packaged up in a deal to help out Bradley Bill to to, give, to convince him to stay long term after the uh, after the season. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Like it's the the Harold was part of the Westbrook deal, obviously, but there's no you know, development really there with him. He's almost 28. These other guys, you know, 22, 23. I think Bryant might be 24. Yeah, in that starting lineup, if you've got Hachimura, Kuzma, Beal, and Dinwiddie, look, there's no defense really in that group, so Gafford does need to play in there. And then Bryant and Harrell, is, they're both offensive guys, but Bryant brings shooting, and Harrell brings in close you know, hustle, rebound sort of play. And I think with his reputation and the way that he sees himself, it might be hard to sit him down, but I think in terms of you know, developing and the future of the franchise, that probably is the right way to go. And I agree with you. He is the guy that they would be looking to move on from. So that makes him a risky guy in fantasy because we just don't know how that's going to go. But I do agree with you that Gafford is going to have to play most nights because, again, they just have no other option defensively. There's other two are two of probably the worst defensive centers in the NBA in Bryant and Harrell. Yeah. If you're running with those exclusively, you've got no defense at all on that front line, which would make things pretty difficult. I talk about Rui Hachimura now. I, I say this all the time. I, I think Rui Hachimura is, is a really interesting developmental prospect. I think he's a, a great guy, but I think he gets really overrated in terms of what his actual production has been. And he has been at times gifted minutes. Like you are a top 10 pick. We are giving you a lot of minutes and a lot of shots just to develop you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But now we head into this season where you've got you know, Avdia, there's Kuzma, there's Bertans, there's all these guys who can push into his role. 
Is there any... Do you think that yeah, Wes Unsailed and Tommy Shepard heading into year three here, Unsailed's first season, of course, with Hachimura, that he just goes, well, you've had this opportunity. You're doing what we need to do, but you're not going to get this, this, this gifting of these minutes where you are locked in for 32 minutes every single night, regardless of what's going on. Because there have been times in the last two years where Davis Bertans has been clearly the better option and clearly the better player, yet he always plays fewer minutes than Hachimura, seemingly because of the development and because of the top 10 draft pick status afforded to him. So is there any, do you think there's any, or maybe you disagree with any, all of that that I said, but do you think there's any chance that this role of Hachimura and maybe he moves to like a 26-minute a night role so that Avdia and Kuzma and Bertans can get their yeah, different sort of skills in that mix as well? Yeah, I do disagree with the Rui and Bertans. Bertans was just a defensive liability. He had a down year this past year. His shooting percentages went down. Every every scoring, he scored 15 points a game in 2020, and then it went down to 11 points per game. Bertans came in out of shape uh, because in Latvia he couldn't practice because of COVID, and then he didn't go to the bubble because he wanted to rest because of the free agency. So Bertans just had a down year. There was a game in the playoffs where Bertans had zero points and six fouls in a game. So he just he had a disappointing year. Rui, Not for sure. Um, Rui just brings more to the table defensively and, and offensively. Uh, and he, the way he finishes, he just has to be more aggressive. It is inconsistent. There will be games where he takes 10 shots, and there's some games where he only takes three shots, and he has eight points, and there's another game where he'll have 30 points. So we're just looking for consistency. Uh, we're looking for aggressiveness. Uh, a lot of people blame it on Russell Westbrook handling the ball all the time or Bradley Bill shooting all the shots all the time. But at the same time, Rui has to be out there hunting his shot and being more aggressive. Uh, he has to work on his ball handling as well, his three-pointer as well. He shot 32% from the three, which is not bad. It's about average, a little below average. So for him, we really need him to be able to space the full floor to help Bradley Bill get more uh, opportunities in space and run him off screens as well. But Rui is that guy that they really want to build around. Um, they marketed Rui. Um, Tommy Shepard loves Rui. You know, they got the, the Japan night going on at, at, um, at I was going to call it Verizon Center, Capital One Arena. That's what the name of this, the center now. So there's been a lot of marketing towards Rui, and they, they really want to see Rui do well. They want to see him be that third guy. They do want to create a mini big three with Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley, Bill, and Rui Hajimura. But Spencer Dinwiddie said it when he came here in free agency, he felt like they could create a big three. I don't, I don't, personally, I don't see it as a big three, but I see it as um, three solid, uh, an all-star in Bradley Bill, and then two guys who can definitely create for themselves and make something happen uh, next to Bradley Bill. But they're really relying on Rui Hajimir being their first pick, ninth pick. He has improved. He, he's shown flashes when he dunked on Anthony Davis, when he dunked on Tobias Harris. That's the Rui that I want to see on every play. I want to see him be aggressive like that. I think he's capable of putting up 20 points and, and seven rebounds. Now, the question about his role being in danger, it is going to be tough. I mean, Kyle Kuzma... It, you know, Lakers, when they leave, when they leave L.A., you look at um, Brandon Ingram, you look at Lonzo Ball, you look at Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, you can name Thomas Bryant, you can look at Julius Randle. All those guys improved when they left Los Angeles. Kyle Kuzma, there's not a shot that he doesn't like. He's more aggressive. Even if it's a bad shot, he'll shoot the ball. We saw it with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis. He didn't care. He'll still shoot the ball. And he shot the ball well last year. Even though he gets a lot of hate and flag, he shot 37% from the three-point line. And Kyle Kuzma is more aggressive. Kyle Kuzma might be actually a little more polished, a little more skilled offensively at times. If, if Kyle Kuzma plays like the rookie year Kyle Kuzma or that second year Kyle Kuzma, then yes, he, he definitely could. He could steal some minutes from Rui. If Davies Bertans plays like the Latvian Laser in 2020, 
he could cut into Rui's minutes a little bit. Like we said earlier, there's just a long jam at that spot. Denny Avdia, if he's playing well, can you really sit Denny? Um, there's just a lot of wings on this roster right now. So, but I, I think Rui's still gonna. He he had 30 minutes in 30 minutes per game in his rookie year and sophomore year. I think he's still gonna get around that. If if it's lower than 30, it will be about 28, 27. I don't think it will be in a, any lower than that because they really want to see what they have in this first round pick too. Because contract extensions will be coming up and decisions will have to, will be have to be made on Rui Hachimura. So they want to see what they can get out of him. But so I I still see him getting 30 minutes per game. I think I know the answer to this question, but do you see Rui or Denny as the better long-term prospect? Uh, Rui Hachimura is, is the better long-term prospect right now. Denny has a, a little ways to go, in my opinion. He didn't shoot the ball well from three, which is not which is not his. We knew that when he got drafted. Yeah, shooting is not, not his strength. Free throws were not good either. The percentages weren't mm-hmm. good from the free throw line. That's just not his strength. But um, if Wes Enzo can get the best out of him, put him in that role where he's a playmaker, then um, it's it's to be determined. But right now, I think Rui Rui definitely is a is is head and shoulders above above Denny right now. I think right now that is true. I if I was to pick between the two long term, if I had to, which of course I don't, I would pick Denny personally. But that's just because I value a little bit more of what he does defensively and his ability to play make and pass. And it, we'll see how that pans out. But again, yeah, I think the vast majority would say they prefer Rui as uh, as you just did there. Next question for you, Ed. Do you know how to fix your own car? <laughs> I don't right now. I don't. <laughs> it's all right. Neither do I. And I'm telling you now, I'm never going to learn. But if you do know how to fix your own car and you're looking for parts, you wouldn't go to a local chain auto parts store. That's just a waste of time and a waste of mental energy. And of course, a waste of money. You can go straight to Rock Auto, an online family business serving do-it-yourselfers for the last 20 years. Why would you spend 30, 50, 70, 100% more for the same parts from a local chain store or a car dealership? It's ridiculous. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever it is that you need for your car or truck, Rock Auto is going to have that covered for you. So go to Rock Auto. Check out their expansive website, all the range for everything that you need for your car or truck. And in their How Did You Hear About Us box, right locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. One last Washington Wizards question for you here, Ed. Now, there's no doubt that Russell Westbrook was huge for this team down the stretch. He was also bad for them at the beginning of the season as he was battling his quad injury. But down the stretch as they push and they had that remarkable run to get into the playoffs, he, he turned things on at a really high level. But is there an argument to say that Spencer Dinwiddie is a better fit for this team than what Russell Westbrook is? Not to say that Spencer Dinwiddie is a better player. You can leave that argument aside. That's not what we're talking about. But in terms of fitting next to Beal and next to these other offensive type players, you know, your Hachimuras and, and Harrell and Brian, all these sort of guys, is having Dinwiddie in there a better fit than Westbrook was? Uh, yeah, like you said, um, Spencer Dinwiddie's not the better player, but could he be a better fit next to Bradley Bill? Certainly, I, I really think he he has the potential to do that because he can move the ball around. He's not a guy that's going to be as ball dominant as Russ, and he can shoot the ball better uh, from the three catch and shoot opportunities. He shot thirty seven percent from the three and catch and shoot opportunities, and that would help space the floor, floor with Bradley Bill as well. And he can help redevelop better. Denny develop better. Uh, all the younger guys, and he still is going to bring uh, – he's still going to be a, a good playmaker. He was a good playmaker for the Nets. He had good chemistry with DeAndre Jordan, good chemistry with Jared Allen. Uh, those guys are both lob and, and just, you know, gulping alley-oop bigs, and we got we have that in Daniel Gafford. Montrose Harrell is a good rim runner, pick-and-roll guy. So I think he'll be able to still spoon-feed the big men. 
And uh, he'll be able to create for Davies Berton, Shooters, KCP, Kyle Kuzma. He'll be able to create for those guys. And he still gets to the free throw line at a high clip. He shot about seven free throws per game in 2020 when he was healthy, that, that great season that he had before he got injured um, the following year. So I, I think he brings a lot of good things to the table. Um, he can finish through contact. He's a good finisher. He's six six. He's, he's still athletic for for his size. And uh, I think he's going to be a solid fit. I think he's going to be a dynamic fit as was the MCL Jr. Uh, set of all those guys. I, I think he can. I think there is a possibility. It's not crazy to say that he could be a better fit than Russell Westbrook. Is he a better player? Of course not. But can he be a better fit chemistry wise with the team? Letting guys grow and develop and get better. I, I think he can definitely be a better fit. Yeah, because what you're looking at, like he's not a great shooter, Dinwiddie, really, but he's much better than Russell Westbrook, especially in those catch and shoot mm-hmm. scenarios. And he's a guy that, like, you know, Russ and Beal out there, like Russell Westbrook is going to use more usage. And your better offensive option generally would be let Brad Beal have more usage, which Dinwiddie will allow. Dinwiddie's not low usage by any means, but he's not uh, aggressively high usage. He's not as good of a passer as Westbrook, but he's still really good in that area. And I think he's probably uh, a better defender than what Russ is in terms of, you know, switched on every play versus Russ sometimes picking and choosing what he's going to do and, you know, jumping for passing lanes and that sort of thing. So while, again, not a better player, it might actually work out better for this team just in getting the parts and pieces to all fit together. But that remains to be seen, Ed. And as people see how that develops, you'll have it all covered for us over on the Locked On Wizards podcast this season. So people can check you out there five times a week, heading into the preseason, regular season, all the great stuff from you over on the Locked On Wizards show. Thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Thank you for having me. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. Subscribe, notification bell. Tell all of your friends. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.